0: Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. The fact that there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn at Bethlehem should make one pause and wonder. Because the birth of Christ was foretold. It was planned by God uh, uh, years ago. And the prophets talked about this coming king. As a matter of fact, we can go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, and it bears out that he would be born to a virgin. Uh, also, if you go to the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, it tells us the birthplace of Jesus, which was Bethlehem. Did God then forget to make room for his only begotten son? How is it possible that there was no room for When all actuality, in all actuality, this baby not only was born in this place called a manger, but he owned the inn. (laughs) He owned the city the inn was in. As a matter of fact, this baby owned the whole earth. So how is it that this child that owns everything didn't have a place to be born? And one of the things you have to see is God's ultimate plan. This was all a part of his plan. And see, the lack of room for Jesus in the end is congruent with the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 53. Let me just read it to you. It says, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with bitterness and grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way when he went by. He was despised and we did not care. Ultimately, saints of God, the lack of room in the end symbolizes the lack of room we have for Jesus in our hearts because a lot of times we, we get so consumed by so many things that are going on and we can use so many different excuses. Oh, I don't go to church for this reason or, or I don't do that for that reason. We, we all have excuses like miles. Everybody got one. We got an excuse for everything that, that when we don't want to do it, we, we always can conjure up an excuse for not doing it. But saints of God, if you don't watch it, you will begin to use those excuses to crowd Jesus out of your hearts. So when Jesus comes tonight Knock on your door. Will you make room for him? Or uh, Is there some type of pseudo vacancy, no vacancy sign that he sees because he don't have anywhere to go? So when he comes knocking on your heart this season and not just I'm not talking about Christmas season, I'm talking about spiritual season because this is your season. And see, Jesus is knocking on the doors of our heart today. But will we open the door or will we say, no, I don't have any room for you in my life right now. I got this relationship that I need to focus on. I got this business that I need to focus on. I got all this other stuff that I need to focus on. I got school. I got work. I got kids. We all got that. But what you're saying to Christ is I don't want to make room for the master this year because I got too many other things going on in my life. Christ walks away wanting. So we need to make sure that we decrease so God can increase. We need to decrease making excuses for not doing things of the Lord. We need to decrease making excuses for not reading the word, not worshiping, not coming to church, not coming to Bible study. We need to stop making excuses and start decreasing so he can increase in me. That's in John 3 and 30. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Write this down. You can't get more of God until you force more ungodliness out. You can't get more of God until you force more ungodliness out. God cannot fill a full glass. This is why worship is so important. But it's also why people who don't like to worship are content with their lifestyle. Because with worship, you have to surrender. And one of the things that people who don't want to surrender their lives, they cannot worship. They can go through the motions. They can lift their hands. They can look around. They can do all kinds of things. They can put their hands in their pockets, but they will never have a real experience with God in worship. Why? Because they're still holding on to some of the things that they're doing, even though they know that it's wrong. But they want to continue doing it because it feels good. I don't know of any sin that didn't feel good. (laughs) Sin is going to feel good. Why? Because sin is the bait. Sin is the bait. And you need, in, 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 well, how many hunters I got? I got? I got Randy back there. Any more hunters in the house? Who, how many fishermen I have in the house? You see, you got to understand about, about the bait. See, you, you can go and hunt and you can do all that stuff. If you don't have the right bait, you're not catching anything. This is why the enemy will always give you the right bait. See, the enemy knows what's in your appetite. See, see, if you like little boys, the enemy is going to make sure that there are always little boys around you because that's the bait. He can't trap you without bait. If you're going to go out and commit an adulterous affair, he's going to have the right bait. She's going to have the right size hips. She's going to have the right hair color. It's going to be the right length. She's going to walk the right way. She's going to have that right little thing going on. Why? Because the enemy knows what's in your appetite. And so the adulterous affair don't start with the bed. The adulterous affair starts with the wink and the nod. See, isn't it ironic that we can make room for all of these other things, but we won't make room for the master? See, one of the things I want to talk a little bit about is the innkeeper, because you don't say it doesn't say much about the innkeeper. But when I was reading this text again, he began to give me some some deep, uh, some some deep things to think about when I started talking about the innkeeper. How many of you had, had questioned, ever questioned about who the innkeeper was, by show of hands? You read about it, and it's like, wait a minute, what's the deal with the innkeeper? Because it doesn't say much about the innkeeper, but in reality, it talks a lot about his actions. So it's a couple of things about his actions that really caught my attention because he was guilty of, first and foremost, of being ignorant. He was ignorant to the fact that this woman was carrying the Savior of the world. Yes. Amen. The prophets knew. Mary knew. Joseph knew. The Magi knew. Herod knew. But the innkeeper didn't know. So the innkeeper was guilty of being ignorant. See, this season, don't be ignorant to God. Because, see, the Bible says that my people perish for the lack of knowledge. See, we don't perish because we don't go to church. We perish because we don't allow the church to be in us. We perish because we don't understand the text of the Scriptures. We don't know how to break the Scriptures down. We don't understand the Scriptures. We perish because we listen to so much stuff on social media. And we listen to these fly-by-night pastors on, on TV. And they give you a nice little tricky sermon. It sounds good, but it don't change anything. Don't be ignorant, saints of God, to the things of the Lord. Because if you are, you will not make room for the master. The innkeeper was also guilty of being indifferent. Now listen, listen to this, guys. This woman was about to give birth to a child. She was having labor pains when she came up to the innkeeper. Wait a minute. This woman is about to give birth. Now, that's not like you go to the hospital today. Giving birth back then was a very dangerous thing. That's why you always had a midwife. This woman had nobody because even the man was not allowed to be around the woman when she gave birth. She was all alone, about to give birth to a child by herself. She was pregnant, riding in on a donkey limousine. And when she pulled up to the door, the innkeeper looked at this woman that was about to give birth. She was a, a water was about to break, and he says, I have no room for you. How, how can you be that indifferent? How can you be indifferent in the world today when people who have need come knocking on your door and you turn them away? They have a need. They need something from you. I don't care how big or how small it is, but they have a need and they come to you and you say, no vacancies. How can we be that indifferent? How can we push away people like that? How can the church push away people just because they're living in sin? How can the church push away people just because they choose a different lifestyle? Those are their choices. you got to allow people to make their choices. But just because people choose to make a different choice, it does not mean that the church can change the scriptures. See, we're still going to stand for truth, but we want to love you through that truth. We want to accept you through that truth, but you still cannot do any and everything that you want to do according to the word of God. There has to be a change that takes place. And sometimes that's going to take a lot of patience with people. Everybody's not going to get delivered the same way every time, especially if you've been in something for a long time. The enemy has entrenched his tentacles inside of you, so sometimes it's harder to break free from certain things. And if we're not patient enough, and if we're not spiritual enough, if we're not Christian enough, and if we're not discerning enough, we would turn people away and say, no vacancies. And God was trying to use you to make room for the master because he was going to use you to deliver them. He was also guilty of being too involved. He was too busy making room for everybody else who was there for the census, uh, the dignitaries. Some of the people who had the chief seats in the synagogue. The people who came in with a nice suit on and they walked in, he said, Yeah, I got room for you. Uh-huh. But then when the people didn't look like they had much, he said, No, I don't have nothing for you. Uh-huh. Now, do you know that that the church got rebuked? Apostle Paul rebuked the church. Because they the person that comes in dressed really nice, they put him on the front row, but then somebody that may not have, they put them on the back row. See, let me tell you something. I work in corporate America. Let me tell you something. The people that have on those nice suits are just as lost as those who are sitting under a bridge. As a matter of fact, those who are sitting under a bridge, they can teach you more scripture than any person sitting up there in a high office with CEO on their names. They might have on the nice suit, but their hearts are just as wicked, It's just as vile as anybody who are out in the world doing different things. So don't just look on the outside because God does not look on the outside. God looks upon the the heart. That's right. That's right. Talk to me, somebody. Yes. So we shouldn't be indifferent in the church, and we shouldn't be too involved in so many different things that you lose sight of what you're doing. Yes. There are so many people in church today, they're so involved in everything. You got people involved in Everything. Right? See, if you get too involved, you stop doing it for Jesus. That's right. That's right. Why? Because then it becomes a burden. That's right. That's right. But if God told you to do it, it should never become a burden. Right. Why? Because he gives you grace to do it. And see, when your grace run out, that should be an indication that you shouldn't be in it. And people sometimes stay in things too long. And God doesn't give you the grace. That's how you get people who burn out. They burn out because there's no more grace. See, I I can't do, I can't be work full time and be a pastor, a father, a husband, and everything that I do, a chaplain, and do the things that I do without his grace. There's no way I would be burned out in in two months. All the things that I have to do and everything that I have to juggle. It's his grace that keeps me. And the reason I can operate in his grace is because of the prayers of the saints. See, the saints are praying for us. The saints are pushing us to another level because they know if they push me, they go too. Because I'm not going by myself. Because a leader who's going up by himself and doing nothing but taking a walk. See, one of the things that I learned in the Marine Corps said that the true essence of a leader is the one who can leave a piece of himself behind in others who can carry on. See, if you're not leaving a piece of who you are in somebody else, you're not leaving a legacy. The Bible said, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord for their works do follow them. See, I'm, I'm going to be up there with God. Oh, that, where am going to be up there around it. I don't know where it's going to be before he comes back. But wherever he is, that's where I will be also. But where I am, he can't bless me with everything because I'm going to leave a legacy on this earth. He can't give me everything that God wants to bless me with because people on this earth will still be doing things. Mm-hmm. That's what you, That's not how you got to live your life, saints of God. Yeah. It's not just about your family. Who else can you pour your life into? See, are you going to be like this innkeeper? Somebody come, they really need you. They need you to pour into their lives. And you said, no, I don't have time for that. But somebody said, come on, let's go to the mall. Oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> but do a little Bible study together. Mm, no, I, eh. you know, let me pray about that. <laughs> See, that's what I know some people don't want to do stuff. <laughs> now, let me tell you how I know. This is 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 how I know. Ask you to do something, say, well, you know, I got to go pray about that. I already know (laughs) you don't want to do it. (laughs) Because it should be confirming what you should already be doing. Amen. Amen. (laughs) See, you know what that is? That's that fear. That's that fear. That fear says, you know, let let me think about this for a minute. And then your brain says, okay, what if I mess up? What are people going to say? Well, what if if I don't do this right? See, that's that fear. That fear says, I don't know enough about that. I can't do that. What are people, people? People might laugh at me. Oh, bless your little heart. And then you start backsliding like Michael Jackson. And then the next thing you know, well, I heard from the Lord. You ain't hear nothing from no God. Was your flesh telling you that? (laughs) Especially if it's something that should be confirming what you should be doing. And it's a spiritual thing. It's not something that's going to take you way out of the way of what you should be doing anyway. Amen? Amen. Hello, somebody. All right, let me get on into the crux of this thing. So let me transition a little bit here. There was no room in the inn, but Mary made room for the previous nine months to carry the master. So there are some essential things that I want to talk about with Mary. There's only three things, and then we're going to pray and go home. So, three essential ways that Mary made room for the master, and I think this will bless us too. It's only three ways. Somebody says only, only three. Three essential ways that Mary made room for the master. The first way she made room for the master can be found in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 26 to 33. I'm going to go ahead and start reading while you turn there. Now, in the 6th month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Somebody say Nazareth. Nazareth. Somebody say Nazareth. Nazareth. To a virgin. That right there proves what Isaiah chapter 7 says that Jesus would be born of a virgin. The gospels approving the Old Testament record that she was a virgin. She was betrothed to a man. Now, people today don't understand what betrothed mean because even Christian women have sex before they get married. And you just happen to come in the church, well, I'll just tell you the truth. <laughs> betrothed back then is totally different than what people do in their relationships today. Betrothed back then was a type of engagement that you didn't have sex with her even though she still considered your wife. So she was betrothed to Joseph. So that means Joseph couldn't touch her. Hello, somebody. Therefore, nobody else could either. This is why when she came up pregnant, they told Joseph, the men of God in the church said, cast her away. Because obviously she has sex with somebody. Now, come on now. I know we read this in the Bible. What if, let's just take the Bible out today. What if that was your wife? You were engaged. You hadn't you know, you know you hadn't touched that woman. But all of a sudden that woman come up and she says, um, uh, baby. Hmm. Can you sit down for a second? Um, baby, boo, bae. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, 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 right? Right? So automatically you're going to think, you're going to start cussing. I know already, you know. <laughs> what the? <laughs> what did you just say to me, woman? <laughs> so in actuality, God had to come to Joseph in a dream. That's right. Because the men said, put her away privately. Just diss this woman when nobody else is looking. Kick her to the curb. Won't nobody even beg to differ. We would say, what happened to Mary? We don't marry who? <laughs> so Joseph didn't touch this woman, but she got pregnant by God. Hello. She got pregnant by God because God can do anything but fail. So she was betrothed. I just want to explain that a little bit to you. To a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. There's another uh, uh, confirmation there. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, that is an amazing word to get from the angel Gabriel. Gabriel never left the presence of God unless God specifically had something for him. There's only maybe two or three times in all of Scripture where Gabriel left the presence of God to do something. It was with this woman, and this woman was in Nazareth. I got to tell you a little bit about Nazareth in a little bit because it's so significant. So he told her uh, this. He said um, in verse 32, he said, uh, well, wait a minute, let me go 31. Uh, Well, 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Somebody say, I have found favor with God. God. Oh, come on. Come on. See, that's why you don't have to apologize when God blesses you. You have found favor with God. Why? He's your father. See, I have found favor with the Lord. Why? Because I've been carrying the master. Praise God. And so he says, you have found favor with God. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. You shall call his name Yeshua. Oh, Jesus. Boy, That there's boy, something about that name. No other name I know by which men can be saved but at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and every knee, and every tongue shall confess. That Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, our Father. The name of Jesus is higher <laughs> than any other name. Amen. He said his name shall be called Yeshua. His name shall be called Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Wow. Isn't that that's amazing, isn't it? That's some amazing stuff. So the first essential thing that Mary did, she made room for the master by her ways. See, as we approach this text, one of the fundamental things that you got to see here, it was the city of Nazareth. Nazareth was mentioned in all three gospels. But if we begin to, to, to exhume more about this particular city, Nazareth was like a modern day ghetto. Pretty much it's like that today, too. The culture was unrefined and unbridled and uneducated. That's Nazareth. See, this is important that we understand this because when you look at the Scriptures, you see it was Nazareth where we find the Scriptures where Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. That was Nazareth. It was Nazareth where we find that, that the, when Jesus got ready to, to do huge blessings and because of their unbelief, the Bible says that he could do no mighty work except heal a few sick folk. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a hold on, hold on, back that up a little bit. Wait a minute, Jesus says I could do no mighty work except heal, heal a few sick folk. Now, when people get healed, we we consider that a mighty work. Jesus Mm doesn't. So Jesus said, all I can do is heal a few folk, but that wasn't a mighty work. So you got to ask yourself, well, what was the mighty work he wanted to do? Well, they couldn't see it because of their unbelief. This was Nazareth. Ah. Nazareth, and this is going to bless you. Nazareth was also the place when they went to the, well, before he became an apostle, Nathaniel. They said the master... Has come out of Nazareth and he made this great statement. He said, Is there any good thing can come out of Nazareth? Well, that was a slap in the face. So can any good thing come out of New York City? Can any good thing come out of Jersey? Can any good thing come out of slaughter neck? (laughs) Can any good thing come from North Carolina? South Carolina, can any good thing come from Ohio? Alabama, yeah! What about Virginia? What about Florida? Can any good thing come from Spain? Colorado, you name any other place. Can any good thing come from where you came from? See, what you have to see here, this was not some extraordinary woman who lived in an extraordinary place. She was an ordinary woman who was willing to carry an extraordinary God. So you don't have to have all the right things. You don't have to live in all the right places. You don't have to matriculate from the right schools for God to use you. You can come from the least likely places if you're willing to carry the master. See, if you walk upright in your ways, God can come down to you and say, I have found favor in your sight. And God himself is coming to bless you with his favor. Why? Because your ways are conducive to the scriptures. She carried the master and she was chosen because of her ways. What about your ways this season? Are your ways... Showing God that you want to carry Him. Mm. All right, don't answer. That's rhetorical. <laughs> it's rhetorical. So yeah, yeah, I, I hear it. <laughs> so she made <laughs> she made room for the Master by her ways. Now we can make room for for another relationship. Uh huh. Yep. Uh huh. So okay. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. We single folk got needs. <laughs> <laughs> look, I hey, look, I I understand about the needs. However, <laughs> why y'all messing with me? Let me let me let me preach. I know y'all want me to move on. I ain't doing it. Now you're gonna make some room for the master this year. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah yeah. See, when you wake up in the morning, I want you to look on the side of that bed, and I want that bed to be empty. huh. Uh huh. Let me break down a word for you. See, there's a word in the Bible that some churches are even afraid to say. It's called fornication. See, the word has always been in the Bible, always will be there. Fornication is having sex outside of marriage. That's fornication. It's forbidden. If you're not married, you can't get it. <laughs> if you're not married, you shouldn't be giving it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, Thanks of God. That's what the word says. Lock it down. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I, and my daughter knows this. You lock it down and he still wants to be around, then that might be the one for you. But if you lock it down and he said, you know what, girl, you need to go ahead and you said no, and then he's not around he won the one for you in the first place. Yeah, I know it. I know it. You ain't going to get too many claps on that. I know it. I know it. I know you ain't gonna get too many claps on it, but that's all right, I'm gonna preach it anyway. It don't matter to me, I don't need no claps. I'm gonna just tell you the truth. Cause I ain't I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to try to help save your wretched soul. You're gonna sit here and tell me, I know the need. I was single one time too. <laughs> That's why I love preaching in this church. You just never know what you're gonna hear in this church, boy. I I love it. I love that you're free in this church. Amen. Yeah, we 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 people think that pastors weren't weren't single at one point in time. We understand the struggle is real. (laughs) Praise God. Look, I'm married and the struggle is real. Amen. The struggle is real. And what I mean by struggle, there's always going to be somebody to come and try to whisper in your ear to get you outside of your marriage. Always. Because the enemy knows your appetite. Just because you're married, you still have an appetite. Just because you're saved, God is not going to stop making pretty women just because you got saved. Lord, oh, Pretty men, I'm sorry. And I need to clarify when I say pretty men, but handsome men. So, single people, lock it down. If he really loves you, he'll put a ring on it. Yeah. If he don't put a ring on it, you need to put a lock on it. Lust will give you a condom. Love will give you a ring. Mm, I know it's on. I know it. I know it. I know it's on. But that's, that's the reality. The reality is single women, Christian single women, are giving it up more than the women that are in the world. Now, I like talking like this because I'm straight up out of the hood. And this is how we talk in the hood. So let me go and get straight on you. If you think you're still a Christian and you know what you're doing is wrong, you are fooling yourself. If there's no true repentance, and let me explain what repentance is so you understand. Repentance is not 180, uh, 360, I'm sorry, because you're still in the same spot. God, I'm sorry. (laughs) Then you do it again that next Friday night. God, I'm sorry. I can't keep spinning like that. (laughs) So we'll just do an illustration. (laughs) I ain't had no food, (laughs) I'm a little lightheaded. Praise, And it ain't because of the sauce. <laughs> Next week, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. At some point, you're not sorry. Because that's not true repentance. True repentance, you turn around and you go the other way. True repentance is, God, I'm not only sorry, I'm putting a lock on it. And I'm not going back until I can see that this person is ready to be committed to me. See, the reasons people who shack, y'all know shacking? Can I? That's ghetto. I know it's shacking. Oh, all right, I'm sorry. Let me give you the politically correct way. Cohabitating. You Shacking. People who shack live together and they're not married, they are twice as susceptible of getting a divorce than those who do not. Why? Because once you start living together, you're acting like you're married, but you're not. And then once you get married, you're expecting something to change, but it won't. Because the woman would say, you know, we're married now, so? Well, well ain't nothing changed. I'm going out with the boss tonight. I know we're married now, but I'm not sure. I've been doing this for 10 years. We married, we've, been, we've been living together for 10 years. Why something got changed right now? <laughs> did I do it? Did I did I, did I do it? <laughs> why? why? No. So then I got to ask the woman, well, why I mess with the brother? You've been giving it for free for 10 years. Right. Amen. So why has something got to change now? <laughs> and ain't nothing going to change. Why buy the milk if you're getting the cow for free? I'm not calling anybody a cow, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I got to be careful who's listening to this in their cars because I'm not calling women cows. Amen. And so we just gotta be just gotta be careful, ladies, uh, men. Uh, don't don't get trapped into those things. You, if that if somebody call you over for for a Bible study at at, at midnight, that ain't no Bible study. <laughs> Yeah, let me, let me. What, what we call that album, say it out loud. We call that a what? Can I say booty call? Well, I already said it. Uh, y'all know, how, okay. How, how many of y'all know what it is by sure hand? How many don't know what it is by sure hand? Don't? Deacon Ballhead, put your hand down. So everybody knows what that is, right? You know that woman is calling you because she, I'm feeling, I'm feeling so down. feeling so down I'm feeling down uh, oh I just need some hands laid on me <laughs> I I just I just need I just need you to properly lie down next to me <laughs> By her ways, by her ways. You ready to go to number two? Number two. She made room for the master, not just by her ways, but by her words. You can find that in verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, oh, 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 let me, no, I ain't going to worry about Elizabeth. Let's go to verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold thy handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel <laughs> departed from her. God bless you. She made room for the master by her words. Even though Mary didn't quite understand Everything that the angel presented to her. How could she? That never before had a woman ever conceived by the Holy Spirit before. So this was so new to her. It was so foreign to her. It was something that she did not quite understand. But even though she didn't understand, she said, let it be unto me according to your word. Saints of God, you may not quite understand Everything that God is speaking to you, some things that he's going to confer to you may sound foreign. You you may look at your situation and you look at what God is telling you. You go, God, I just don't see how we can do what you are set showing me in my spirit. He, he might give you a call. He may show you your destiny. He might say there's a ministry inside of you and all, everything inside of you is exploding because you're trying to figure out, well, how in the world will I be able to do this? I know where I came from. I, I know what I don't know. I know I don't know the right people I know I can't do all of these things but even though Mary knew all of this inside of her even though Mary didn't quite understand everything that was going to happen Mary said be it unto me according to your word even when you don't understand just obey she obeyed God with her words she said God be it unto me I don't quite understand what's going to take place but I do know I want to carry the master See, sometimes, saints of God, your words will, will will cut out your blessing. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible says, by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned over in Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. And so your words can actually block your blessing. Why? Because what if Mary had have said, no, I'm not gonna do it. I have no vacancies. I have no room for this blessing because I don't quite understand all the details. God, if you give me some details, mm, then I might do it. See, that's, that's the problem that people out in the world have. They want church people to try to explain everything about God. I don't have time to explain everything about God. All I need to tell you, you're going to go to hell if you don't have him. That's all you need to know is it's quite simple. It's not that difficult to talk about it. I don't have time to go into all the the details of God because they're not going to understand anyway. Because the natural man can't discern the things of the spirit of God, nor can he know them because they must be spiritually discerned. You can't tell spiritual things to somebody who's not spiritual and then expect them to receive it. They can't receive it. They don't have a a spirit to receive it. So you just have to give them truth. The truth is, how is your life right now without God? Oh, you might float along real good. Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing great right now. Are you really? I mean, when you're at home by yourself with nothing but your own thoughts, how are you doing then? Now, now, I'm not talking about when you're fronting in front of your friends. Because I ain't nothing but a front anyway. You're posing. And we got a lot of posing Christians too. You pose like you're a Christian, you talk Christianese in the church. You're just posing. Because as soon as you get around your friends, you're cussing, you're drinking, you're doing everything that you would normally do. If, when you didn't get saved, you didn't get it anyway. Hey. Oh. Hey. <laughs> uh-huh. I know it. I know it. It's tight, but it's right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Sarah laughed. Jeremiah cried. Elijah hid, Jonah ran, Peter was cussing. (laughs) Some of y'all like Peter and Jonah, y'all were running and cussing. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, that was me. (laughs) I was running and cussing. I ain't want no part of church, but I knew I needed church. Amen. But Mary said, be it unto me according to your words. So you make room for the master, Uh not just by your ways, but also by your words. What words are you speaking? Mm -hmm. Are you speaking words to build people up or tear them down? Mm -hmm. The Bible says a wise woman builds her house. Do you know wives that you can tear your house down with the words that you speak to your man? You know, there are men that can be castrated by a woman just by the words. Mm -hmm. You can tear a man down. You can tear his prowess down just by words. And a man can tear a woman down just by his words. Mm -hmm. A woman can fall into deep depression because she don't feel like she's getting what she needs at home. Mm -hmm. It's a sad day when you are in a marriage and you're not getting what you need. Mm -hmm. And that's the day that it's going to be easy for the enemy to put that right thing out there before you. And it's probably a coworker, somebody that you can talk to. Mm -hmm. Oh, your husband just don't understand. Can we go to lunch today? (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Come on, tell me all about it. He just don't know how to treat you. What you doing tonight? (laughs) Tell your husband you're going to meet a girlfriend. Really? Really? Somebody says it's, it's a setup. It's a setup. It's a setup. Somebody says it's, it's a setup. Don't do it. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Gotta have that Joseph anointing and get out of there. Leave your coat if you have to, but you need to get out of the room. Amen. <laughs> Am I telling y'all some good stuff or what? <laughs> yeah. See, it's our words. So your words, you can say, God, I'm expecting great things. But then right after that, you say, God, I just don't feel like you can do it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? What you said before, doesn't, it's canceled. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's our words. So when you go right now, not 2016, I'm sorry. Right now, mm-hmm. you need to watch our words. Yes. If you want to be blessed, make sure you speak blessings. Yes. Yes. You attract. What you respect. If you disrespect money, you will always be broke. You attract what you respect. Amen. Let me move on before I jump out there on something else. Lastly, this is the last thing. She made room for the master by her, by her ways, by her words. And then this is the last one. You notice I'm using W's today. She made room for the master by her worship. Verse verse, uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 46, it says, and Mary said, now this is called, uh, most of you know this, especially those who are in music, know this as the Magnificat. You know that? Remember that? Um, Actually, Bach did this in E-flat back in 1723. He did the Magnificat. This this, this is where this is coming from. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, listen at this woman articulate the praise. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. She still didn't know what God was going to do. But she had an expectation that whatever he was going to do was going to be awesome. And then by her words and now by her worship, she says, God, I'm your woman. So the question for you today is, are you ready to carry something holy? (laughs) <laughs> Not too many people say yes, so let me read yes. the word. Yes. Mm, don't worry about it, it's all right. Yes. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. You see how this woman is talking? Yes. This woman is not saying, okay, God, be it unto me according to your words. Now through her worship, she's saying it's going to be exactly like you said. See, my expectation is what he said is mine. Somebody say, what he said said is mine. See, if God spoke something to you, what he said is yours. So now you got to worship in a way like it's yours. Come on. There we go. There you go. See, you got to worship in a way like it's already yours. This woman didn't say, God, if it be your will. She said, no, it's mine. She said, all the earth shall call me blessed. Why? Because I'm receiving what God has given me, and my expectation is going to make it happen. Are you hearing me this morning? This woman went out there. She said, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. You see, this woman made this thing personal. He said, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy and he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever worship is not based on how you feel you worship God because the bills are paid or what have you In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas worshipped God when they was in prison. Even in chains and behind prison walls, they worshipped. In Luke chapter 7, there's a woman that came in uh, when Jesus was eating food. They were just lounging around, and this woman had an alabaster box. And when she came in, this this precious oil was in this box. And the Bible says that she broke open this precious oil and poured it on Jesus' feet. And what's interesting about that story, saints of God, because we're talking about making room for the master. Here it is, this woman who, who wanted more of God. She was willing to make room for God. She was willing to step foot into a room with nothing but men knowing she had no business being there. She had something precious in her hand, but what was precious in her hands, she knew it meant nothing unless she got it to Jesus. Yeah. So this woman began to get in the press, and even though she started walking towards the master, she can hear the jeers and, and everything that the men were saying, and the men were looking at her, and they called what she did waste. Isn't it interesting that sometimes the religious people who don't quite understand what it takes for you to get to Jesus, what they call waste, God calls worship. And this woman didn't care what people said. She didn't care what they did. She didn't care how they looked at her. She said, I got to get to the master. And she broke open that precious box of oil and she anointed his feet and, and with, the, with, with that oil. And her tears began to wash the feet of the master and she dried his feet with her hair. That's an amazing scene. Yeah. How can it be that the guys who were supposed to be connected to Christ saw, saw that she was doing something that wasn't worth doing? They saw waste. Jesus looked down and saw worship, and to this day, everybody knows about this woman because of what she did. See, before she ever got into the room, she had an expectation. See, she expected that when she got to the master, that she was going to get her blessing. See, if you got to go through different obstacles. Why go through all of that hell and you don't get what you went in there for? Why allow somebody's words to abort your blessing? People looking at you wrong, don't worry about it. They're going to look at you wrong. People don't, oh, you know, the church is just too narrow-minded. That's okay. That's okay. Because, see, I know where I'm going. See, I don't have to fret about all that. I just don't want to go by myself. I want to take you, but I can't make you. You can't make anybody get saved by your ways, by your words, and by your worship. You should have an example of what Christ or carrying the master should look like. That should be an invitation to somebody to say there's something on your life. I know I need it. I'm not quite sure how to get it, but I need something from God, and I believe you can help me. But as Christians, if we're not operating in a way that we can make room for the master, we're not inviting. Amen. Mm-hmm. We cannot win the world looking just like the world. No, Amen. I am not going to get tattoos so I can look like you. Amen. My body already pretty enough. Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> and glory to God. <laughs> Let me wrap this thing up. Let's go ahead and pray and get on out of here. Listen, saints of God, don't wait to see the bottom line before you worship. Don't wait for something tragic to happen to you or to somebody in your family before you decide to get right with God. This this is one of the things that 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 really gets me because a lot of times People, they wait for, you know, mama dies or daddy dies or somebody dies in the family. Say, you know, maybe I need to get my life right. You think? Uh Uh You do realize nobody is going to leave here without dying. Even when Jesus comes back, if you're still living, you're still going to go through a death because this body is going to change. But the thing about it, you were not meant to be here forever. Uh Uh Time... Is running out. See, this is why I believe that it's necessary for us as a church to preach the truth, because time is running out. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who are in the world, and unfortunately, you have churches who have sold a bag of goods to people, and they think they're saved, and they're not. You cannot think that you are saved and continuously sin against his word. I I wish that there was some kind of escape clause in the Word of God, but it isn't. And because and and since there isn't, I I can't I can't sugarcoat the word. I I, I would love for you to be my friend, but I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to give the truth and the reality of his word that is still the same. It doesn't matter if culture changes. It doesn't matter what's comfortable with culture. The word of God is counter to culture. Always has been. Always will be. So this year, will you make more room for the master? Will you stop making excuses for not reading a word or studying or Praying. Stop making excuses. You can pray when you're on your way to work. You you don't you don't have to to find a place of secrecy. You can pray under your breath. I pray at my desk every day, all day. I have to dealing with them folks I deal with. Amen. (laughs) Sometimes you gotta go in the bathroom and make sure nobody else in there. I ain't lying. Well shoot, sometimes it doesn't matter if somebody else is in there. Because if you go in there speaking in tongues, they'll leave. I ain't lying. They either leave or gonna get converted. I ain't lying. One or the other. You know, you in there? Ha, ta, da, da, ba, ba. I use them jetting on about of there, man. They getting on about of there. <laughs> on the bus. Sometimes I used to have some of the most intimate prayer with God on the bus when I rode the bus or on the train, riding the train. I'm just praying. Don't nobody know I'm praying because I don't have to have my lips moving and pray to God. He knows, right? Because some of the folks on the train, I had to pray for. I'm so glad that you can laugh because I have the joy of the Lord in my heart. Amen. Amen. Following God is a serious thing, but I'm gonna have fun following God. How about you? Amen. So this season, let's go into this season full of joy. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's Change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.